0: Let us pray. It's a wonderful day you you have made for us, a day that we can rejoice and be glad in you because you are God. And you want to give us life, and you want to give us options and possibilities and interactions and relationships. I think you smile when we wake up in the morning because you've got so much you want us to enjoy about life. But we are in a very broken, complex world, That's why you came to us, to tell us that you understand that living in this world is not always this easy. But you are here to guide us and to bring us the most important thing that any individual needs, and that's hope. To know that we are not alone, to know that we belong to the one who created us, who formed us, who molded us in the womb. Who gave us life, because life can only come from life. We thank you, Lord, for your involvement in our lives. We thank you for your scripture, your word that you've given us. And we thank you today for Jesus that came to die for us on the cross, for the Holy Spirit who's with us in this building to help us grasp the truth of your word. So as we are here in your presence, I ask, Lord, that you will bless the words I need to share today, that these words may be words from you to help us to be what you have called us to be children of God, in a time like this. We ask this in your name alone. Amen. So why would a mother that is 39 years old leave her family, including two week-old twins, to go and follow this guy? Marshall, Marshall, Applewhite. Why would a 72-year-old grandma with grandkids and still a husband who's alive leave her house in Iowa to go and join this cult? Why would they, in March 1997, all decide to commit mass suicide because he asked them to do this? It continues. Why would people leave their homes and they go and follow the name of a guy called David Koresh? And they were called the Branch uh, Davidians, according to David. And you guys know better than I do who lived here in America what happened in Waco, in Texas in the year uh, 1997. (laughs) Did I say it wrong? I think they are wacko. (laughs) That's how we said it in South Africa. Those wackos and wacko in Texas. How many people left and they died there in that huge disaster that took place there? And for you guys that know, Jim Jones in 1978 in Guyana, 913 people committed suicide. Uh, It's because what you believe is extremely important. Stop premature Christmas decorating. (laughs) Okay, that's what's on this guy's sign. Right, okay. So this is my topic for today. I'm talking about living as a Christian in a time like this. And the topic for today is what you and I believe is immensely important. So we know in this world that we now live in 2022, we are surrounded by people that believe all kinds of stuff. And the weirdest things, there are still people that believe in UFOs, that they believe that we have aliens running around us and doing all kinds of strange and stupid things. Uh, I promise you, science is against UFOs. It's impossible. If you look at time and space, it's it's not really possible for this to really happen. There are people that still believe the earth is flat. I do not know, the flat earth people. Then there were people at some point, the guy started sort of as a joke that birds are not real. Do you know this? There was a guy a year or so ago that said, birds are not real. They are drones used by the government to spy on us. Do you know how many people started to believe that rubbish? And then with COVID and all these things that happened, you know, time and time again, you find all of these theories that people come up with, and people believe these things. And the sad thing is, when they believe things immensely, they respond on it. They act on it. So there's a study. There's now a new science actually in the of psych- world of psychology. It's called neurotheology. Neurotheology means that there's a lot of neurosurgeons and neurologists that are trying to figure out if there's something in people's brains that changes when they believe in stuff. And the best way to study this field is to look at religious people. Because religious people believe in something. So that's why they call it neurotheology, because they are going to look at, and they are still doing this at this point, they are looking at the brains of people that believe in in God. There's a guy with the last name of Homer that actually wrote a long article about the God gene that he believes is in us. There's a study that says that religious people are not that well in analytical tests. We are a bit stupid according to that study. Uh, and I think they may be right. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says the world will always think we are stupid <laughs> because they do not know the gospel. But we are actually not. But the reason why they are studying the brain of people that believe is because they know that what we believe has a huge impact on our worldview on the way that we look at our own personal life and on living, and how we respond to this world then around us. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online. We've got a large audience of people that watches our worship services actually all over the country and a little bit over the world. But why are you here today? Why are you watching this worship service today then? So, somebody asked me a while ago, Ferdy, so what makes you guys different from all the other 12 churches that's like in a two mile radius or a mile and a half radius around us? Ferdy, why do you have this thing on your sign outside? Now, I tried to take a picture of it, but it won't work well with the camera because of the, the way that thing is set up. Why do you have this big sign outside that says solid biblical teaching here? Isn't that true of all the churches? What makes us now different that we can put this on our sign and say, well, that's what makes us different? Three or four or five years ago, um, there was a conversation taking place in a very large church, not that far away from here. And our church was actually mentioned on the stage where they said, why do those guys down there think they've got what we do not have? <laughs> okay. I need to try to answer that question then today. Because what you guys believe, and what I believe, and what I believe you believe, is probably what's going to make a difference in how we perceive life. And can you really trust me? I'm the senior pastor of this church, and I've been preaching here for 21 years. And how do you really know that what I'm teaching from this pulpit is sane, and well thought through, and trustworthy? Let's find out. So the place where I thought we should start our investigation would be what I think we should do, because it's in our sign outside, is to go to the Bible. So Timothy says, Paul says the following to Timothy, and Timothy is a young pastor in a congregation. So Paul writes to me, he says, you must understand this, that in the last days, distressing times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, prophetess, that word, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the outward form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid them, Paul says. For among them are those who make their way into households, and captive silly women overwhelmed by their sins and swayed by all kinds of desires, who are always being instructed and can never arrive at the knowledge of truth. As James and Jambres did, they opposed Moses, so these people of corrupt mind and counterfeit faith also opposed the truth. But they will not make much progress, because as in the case of those two men, their folly will become plain to everyone. Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim, my faith, my life, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my suffering, the things that happened to me. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation. To the faith of Jesus Christ. For all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, training, righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So what Paul is actually teaching Timothy here is that bad theology will go around. What shapes our faith? What shapes our belief? I just want to see if that scripture is there. Uh, Yeah, let me just read the scripture. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. What shapes your belief and my belief? That's the question. Look at the list that Paul gives us in verse 1 through 7. He says, we've got all of these people that surround us whose agenda is different than the one from God. And they will try their best to try to convince us eventually to believe in their agenda and not in God's agenda for our lives. You know, the most concerning thing to me at this point in the mainline churches is that we are a Reformed church. And I've heard now countless of times from platforms and in our media and whatever that people would say, because we are a reformed church, we need to continue to reform. We are a reforming church. And what they have now done is they have used the word reforming, they've used this word to say, but as a church, we can't fall behind the world that we serve. We need to adapt or die. And I've heard countless and countless of arguments now within the church all over the country here and also in South Africa where I'm still listening to what's happening in their theology there where they are questioning everything that we believe in that we believe is biblical because they want us to be in line with this world and what the world is offering. You know what the biggest reckless term is that's been used by the church today? god loves you that's the e- uh, wednesday evening i said i'm going to s- reveal this today that's the ephod that's the wrong thing at this point that the church is using because daniel tried to do the right thing by building your wednesday evening's program wanted to build the ephod and that became a snare to his people from platforms in our magazines i hear the word god loves you constantly I see this on banners where people are now marching in the streets. The problem is it's true that God loves us, but you need to add something to it, and that's never added. And what should be added is that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to this world to die for you that you can change your life, that you can become a follower of Jesus, and when you are a follower of Jesus, you can't do whatever you want anymore. But at this point, the church is standing and saying to people, hey, man, you can go and live your life as you think fit. You don't even need to think about God anymore. You can do whatever you please. God just loves you. Thirdly, you can go and live your life as you want. You can have as many girlfriends as you want. You never need to come home. You never need to talk to your wife. Louise loves you. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. That won't last that long, I promise you. Why would it work with God then? why would it work with god so we are surrounded by a theology that actually tells people you can do with god whatever you want because we have made god small the reverence for god is gone the bigness of god is gone you do whatever you want because god is just there in the background like oxygen that provides for your life and you don't need to care you can do whatever you want as you want it So what is biblical theology? Somebody asked me once and said, so what do you mean when you say you are from a reformed church because I'm a reformed pastor? What does it mean for you, Ferdy? Do you know what the Reformation means? Do you know why the Reformation took place? It took place because the church during that time was corrupt, terrible, horrible. And Luther said, we need to get back to God's word. Reformation means to constantly adjust your life in line with God's word to find, am I still in line with what God wants me to be and how God wants me to look at life? Reformation means to turn back, to turn back because this world will pull me away and I need to turn back towards God. And I always say, do you know what the definition of Reformation is? I give every one of you a Bible, I put you on your own island. Only you on your island with food, I promise you, you'll have enough to eat. And I leave you there for four months, six weeks, maybe six months. And the only book you have to read is this one. And when you are done and we pick you up, your theology will all be the same. All the same. The problem now is I give you a Bible, I drop you off in Los uh, Los Angeles, and your theology is like Los, Los Angeles theology. I drop you off in Las Vegas and I give you a Bible and after a while your theology is a little bit Las Vegas-like because, you know, we need to get these guys to gamble. That's okay, but it's sin. It's sin. I drop you off in New York and I give you a Bible and I say, well, you need to figure out what God wants and eventually you've got a New York theology because we need to accommodate all the things that's happening in New York that we can't as a church. look looks so strange and weird. So let's look like the world do. So Reformed theology means that I give you a Bible and that's the only thing you have to read, and when you are done and I'm done, we will have the same belief. That's why a Reformed church in South Africa, America, Kenya, Germany, whatever, if they are biblically based, will have the same doctrine. Another thing that's part of our Reformed faith. So sound doctrine that Paul writes about is what we believe in the Reformed Church. The Reformed theology believes there are five things that's the basis of everything. Sola gratia, that's grace alone, because only by God's grace you and I can sit in this building. Sola fideo, that means faith alone. The only way you can come to salvation is through your faith in Jesus Christ. But what does faith mean? Faith doesn't mean I say there is a God. Faith means that's my God. And I fall on my knees before that God because he's God and I'm not. Sola scriptura. Scripture alone. Because the word of God is the only direction we have for our life and for our living. And I can't start to add to his word what I think should fit well in this time and think it's going to work. There's sola. What's the other one? Let me have a look there. I forgot now. Yeah. Scripture said that. Christ alone. He's the only answer. Because there is no other salvation. You can't add anything to Christ. There's some churches that want to add something. It's Jesus plus something, the cross plus something. You can't add anything. And then lastly, the holiness of God. That's maybe the one that most places miss out the most. That to me is one of the most important. How do I respond to the grace of God? How do I respond to Christ coming to this world and dying for me on a cross? What is my response to all of this? I believe, okay, fine, but what is my response? That I believe, my life of commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ and His teachings. And the Lord Himself, this is said to us, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be somewhat hard and difficult. Of course, the world will always try to drag you away. So Riyad Niebuhr, in the year 1951, that's a gazillion years ago, you meet culture where it is, but not to be shaped by it. You bring an evangelistic bent of Christ's kingdom into all of things. So how must I think as a Christian about culture? How must I think about what I've said now and culture? That's why I have this here. When I was young, and you guys were young, and you would go to people at home and they would ask you, Do you want water? And you say, Yes. What would they do? They would bring you a jug. And there would be a doily thingy over it to keep the flies out. Do you remember that thingy? And then they give you a glass. Sorry, I couldn't find a proper glass. But they give you a proper glass and you pour the water in a glass and you have your water. Now in 2022, what do we have? Do you want water? Yeah, and I hand him this thing. This is now the 2022 version of giving water to someone in my office because we don't do this anymore. We do now this, and it's all fine and it's all good. What's inside of this cup and what's inside of this bottle is the same thing, but the packaging is different. Here it's in a mug. Here it has this handle and whatever, but what's inside and what's inside here is the same. So it's fine for the church to adapt to the culture. We've got a brand new sound system. We've got a brand new light system. We, we need to use what the culture gives us. We've got people on Zoom, and we've got people on YouTube, and all of those words that I do not know, Instagram, I do not know, all of those things. So in a sense, we use culture that we can do what God has called us to do, but we can't change the inside. This is the problem. This is the problem. Would you like to have anything to drink? Yeah, I don't like water anymore. I like Pepsi or Coke or soda, some kind of soda. I want the sweetness, because that is what I crave now. I want this. I don't want this anymore. It has nothing to do with the way it's presented. It has to do with what's on the inside. And that's my concern. My concern is that we now live in a world where the church do not always give what is OK for our culture, but what they give on the inside is not what God has given us to present. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what Paul wrote to the congregation in Rome. This is my final slide. Why would would a 39-year-old leave her family to follow that weird guy? Because in some way, shape, or form, what she read about him changed her mind. And she started to think differently about her life, and she sacrificed her own for his teaching. Why would so many people during our time do the weirdest stuff? Because they are listening to what other people are saying, and that forms their minds, and you can read this all of this neurology stuff. I've read a lot of this during the last two weeks. And eventually that changed their behavior and the choices they are making. Why are we a Reformed church? Why do we say on the outside of this building, solid biblical teaching here? Because we believe with, with all our hearts what makes us different. I do not know what the other people teach, but what makes us different in this world is the fact that we believe the Word of God as the only guide for our lives. Because in the Word of God, you will find the whole spectrum of who God is. God is not only the God of the New Testament, but He's also the God of the Old Testament. A God that says, I don't tolerate sin. A God that says, there will be a judgment. A God that says, you turn on your back on me, you will be alone. You turn on your back on me, your end will be without me. That's called a place, hell. And that's your own choice. It's not a place I created. That's the ultimate consequence of your own decision. You live your life without me, you will go to a place where I'm not, because that's what you want, isn't it? You give your life to me. You worship me because I am God and you will get what you want. My presence, we call that thing heaven. We call it heaven. So when you come to this church, I promise you, Doug, that preached last week, and Nicole that will preach, and Carmen that will sometimes preach, and some of the other people that sometimes preaches here will teach the whole spectrum of God's love, God's grace, but also God's judgment. And solid biblical living as it needs to be taught. So if anybody asks you, why do you go to the Church of the Lakes? You say, I've got this weird pastor. That's a good answer. But then you need to continue, and you need to say, because we are a church that believes that the culture can't change us, but we are the children of God that needs to live in such a way that the world may know there's hope and there's life, because there's something like godly living and godly living is the only way that God can protect His own and bring us back to the garden where God always wanted us to be. Does God love all people? Absolutely. I will be the first one to tell anyone God loves you. But then I will add the second sentence. That's why He's calling you back to Him. Find your way back to Him and you will find a life and an answer and a blessing, and a hope that you've been searching for. Amen.